This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 4, The Black Forest Haunting Black Forest, Colorado is known for its vast, dense forest areas and was once a major supplier of lumber for the Kansas Pacific, Denver and Rio Grande, and New Orleans Railroads. Located just outside of Colorado Springs in El Paso County, it provides a rural setting for those looking to escape the city life. Black Forest is a small community with roughly 14,000 residents and is normally a very quiet area. That is, till roughly 1991, when the Lee family received more than they had bargained for. Stephen and Beth Lee and their two sons were a normal, happy family from Louisiana. Steve was a truck driver and drove all over the country. After spending some time in Colorado, specifically the Colorado Springs area, he was determined to move there. After convincing his wife and sons to move, they made the move from Louisiana to Colorado. The family rented houses around the area for several years before finding their dream home. In 1990, the family rented the house they knew that they would want to live in for the rest of their lives. It was a two-story log home on roughly five to six acres of land amidst the vast forest area of Black Forest. During that year, they fell in love with the property. Everything about it was a dream and everything that they had ever wanted. After a year of renting the property, they decided to purchase it from the owner. At the time, it seemed like the best decision that they had ever made, and they rejoiced in the fact that they now own their home in Black Forest and would never need to move again. A week into being homeowners, the family started to experience odd, unexplained occurrences in the house. The two sons would complain about hearing footsteps and seeing odd shadow figures walking around. Steve and Beth would hear random footsteps on their roof and the sound of chains clanking randomly in their attic. Random appliances would power on and off by themselves. The family found themselves sick on numerous occasions due to a foul, chemical-like smell that would fill the house randomly. Nightly, they would hear sounds all over the house. One night, while laying in bed, the sound of an orchestra filled the area as clear as day, waking every member of the household. In a panic, they quickly tried to locate the sound and where it was coming from, but it appeared to be coming from all over. However, there were no instruments, nor human beings playing the instruments. After finally dismissing the sound due to not being able to explain it, they put it to rest. One night after coming home from being out that evening, they arrived to what appeared to be a fireworks display that one would see on the 4th of July. Every light in the house is flashing on and off at different rates. The family raced inside, 
Steve, trying to rationalize the situation, assumed electrical malfunction and immediately went to reset the housebreaker box. Beth and her sons, being believers, tried to explain that it was due to some entity in the house causing the previous issues. Steve tried to rationalize every situation. There had to be some explanation causing the events. Due to the area they lived in, he assumed it to be government-related. He was very adamant in the fact that the government was doing testing on mind control in the area. Steve would often see men in uniform patrolling the perimeter of the property and assumed that they were experimenting in the area, causing all the unexplained phenomenon that had been occurring. He believed so wholeheartedly that it was not paranormal, and either the government or the townsfolk trying to scare them off, he went out and purchased the best home security system he could buy. After spending most of their savings and their children's college funds, he had cameras and motion detection and the ultimate home security system. That day, Steve set up cameras in every room of the house. He installed motion detection devices all around the house along with audio capture devices. He was determined to catch whoever was breaking into his house or causing all the events that were terrifying his family. That night, the expected sounds were heard and motion lights were set off randomly. The next day, Steve went through the footage and wasn't able to find anything other than random orbs and occasional streaks of light the camera picked up. But nothing he felt was significant or noteworthy. Not satisfied with the results, Steve continued to monitor the household, checking the footage daily. Each day presented the same results. However, in some images, he was able to make out what appeared to be shadows and faces. He started to feel uneasy, yet still not buying into his house being haunted. He agreed with his wife to reach out to the show Sightings, a popular show centered around strange and unexplained phenomena. Steve was hesitant, but wanted answers as they had already reached out to local and state police that yielded no results, as they claimed to be nothing and disregarded the situation. After submitting their story to Sightings, they were contacted right away. The show sent out a crew along with well-known psychic Echo Bodine, to come to the house and document what they had found. The crew spent some time in the house and quickly were able to determine a presence around them. Echo was able to identify at least 20 entities in the house and at least one that was malevolent and did not want them nor the family in the house. However, they continued their investigation. The entire crew began to experience strange occurrences. Pieces of equipment would randomly fall over. Tripods would move across the room, collapsing to the floor. Equipment would completely malfunction or stop working altogether. One member even broke down in tears, feeling as though she was being harmed and could not breathe nor walk. While hysterical, the crew removed her from the house and it wasn't until she was off the property that she returned to normal. While asking her what caused her sudden collapse and breakdown, she claimed that she felt as if she was being possessed or an entity was attempting to use her body as a vessel into our world. While continuing their investigation, images were taken of a mirror in the bedroom that displayed multiple faces peering back at them. They were able to get other photos and videos displaying strange phenomena, but the mirror seemed to be a hot spot, almost as if it was viewing the other side and allowing them to view back. The Lee House became such a widely known case after the episode of Sightings aired that the state senator went to the house himself to attempt to debunk the haunting claim. 
While there, he was able to sense an extremely strong presence. He felt as though the presence was warning him off, and he left feeling even more confused than when he had arrived. He departed a believer and knew that there was something going on in the house that could not be described by anything else than a haunting. Aside from the state senator, another skeptic, Bill Gibbons, specializing in electromagnetics, visited the house. Fully expecting it to be a hoax, he arrived ready to take pictures and readings. Within a short period of time, he experienced what the family had claimed as the 4th of July in their house. It was a full-blown light show. This sparked the urgency for another episode, focused primarily on the Black Forest House. Sightings returned for a second time. This time they brought renowned psychic Peter James. While touring the house, James experienced the chemical odor the family had experienced. It was a sharp scent that burned on the inhale. While going through the house, he mentioned the name Howard to Stephen Beth. Immediately shocked by this, Beth recounted a man she referred to as her granddaddy for the past 10 years. In the 60s, Howard's son, Howard Jr., died of a drug overdose from his friend, a pharmacist at the time, supplying them random drugs. Immediately, the toxic smell that they had been breathing in made sense. James felt as though Howard Jr. entered a rift in the lease property, as if to tell his father what had actually happened. This really hit Steve as there was no way this man could have known about Howard or his son. He had to sit back and take a moment to compose himself. One thing the multiple psychics agreed on was that the mirror in the master bedroom appeared to be a portal to the other side. Later, a Hopi shaman of the Hopi Indian tribe was consulted on the area. He explained the house was built in the center of a rainbow vortex and was the cause of all the strange phenomena that had occurred. To this day, there are still many unanswered questions regarding the Lee homestead. One thing remains, whatever occurred there was unexplainable and to this day is still the talk of the area. In 2010, the Lee household was listed for sale to serious buyers only. However, there was a requirement of an application fee and a large sum of earnest money to show commitment and interest before the property was able to be shown. In 2011, a paranormal group actually went and investigated the property and the area of the Black Forest. This is their findings. The group arrived midday to get a look at the forest in the daylight. It was a dense and creepy looking forest and the homes in the area seemed to surround it. There were trails that led through the forest that people used during the day. With how dense the forest is, it is easy to get lost in the trails. The group found a couple that walks the trails daily and asked them if they had ever seen any ghosts or apparitions while they were walking through. One lady told them she never goes into the forest at night. She lived approximately 75 yards from the first trail and claimed that when taking her dog outside at night, the sound of cries could be heard coming from the forest. The group then got their equipment together and split up into three groups. There were four trails leading into the forest, so they were able to cover at least three of the trails. Two additional members of the crew stayed back at base camp that was set up in the park to watch for anything that may be watching them or that was out of the ordinary. One group took the north trail that led behind the Lee property. They stated, when entering the trail, at night you couldn't see the person next to you. Even with night vision cameras, they could only see about 25 to 40 feet. 
Within five minutes into the trail, they started seeing things running through the trees. They were quick and looked like small shadow people. The group had to stop for a moment. The youngest of the group felt like he had something in his eye and started rubbing it. While looking at the footage later on, they were able to see what appeared to be two ghostly looking fingers that came out of nowhere and came around the side of the man's head and looked at it and grabbed for his eye. The group continued onward. As they were walking, they had the feeling as though someone was constantly behind them. They could hear the ground crackle and the sound of footsteps traveling behind them. The group stopped a few yards from the Lee family property and decided to do an EVP session. They then began asking questions and could hear distant footsteps walking through the forest. They proceeded to ask why they were haunting the Lee family. All of a sudden, something came running from the side of the property and stopped about 15 feet away, and then quickly ran out of sight. After that, determined to see what had been following them, they ventured back into the forest. While going back in, a call came over to the walkie. The group at base camp told them of black things that looked like people walking around the trees. The group continued walking. One of the investigators claimed to see something behind them, following them. They immediately stopped and were completely silent. At that moment, a tall, dark figure crossed the trail about 25 feet away. The group called out to it with no response. After waiting for any additional movement, the group treaded onward. One of the group members was pulled to the ground due to something pulling on their jacket from behind. The group regained composure, not sure of what to make of what had just happened. They decided to meet back at base camp to go over what they had found. Not even 10 feet into walking again, the group claimed to see a white mist figure that passed through one of the members. It went through one side, turned around, and went back through the other. The man stated as if he felt as though the figure or entity was trying to knock him down. The group was able to even capture this phenomenon on camera. They called into base camp to let them know what was going on. Base camp confirmed the other groups were having the same types of occurrences. They pushed further back to base camp. When they were about two minutes from camp, they encountered another tall, dark figure standing in the middle of the trail. The next thing they know, it was charging right at one of the group members and went right through him. The others claimed to feel a cold breeze coming right past them with the decaying smell of death, and then it was gone. As they approached base camp, they could see the black figures run through the trees. They watched them for a few minutes and decided to walk closer to them. As they approached the figures, they disappeared. They then used a millimeter to detect electromagnetic energy around the trees. Their readings were off the charts. They determined this is where the rainbow vortex was. They felt the energy there trying to get them to leave did not appreciate their presence there. The group decided to pack up and headed back for their van. When they got back to the van, they started packing their equipment. While standing there, they heard footsteps behind them. When they turned around, standing a few feet away, they could make up the shape of an Indian chief headdress. They attempted to speak to the figure, and then moved from the back of the van to the front, stood there for 10 seconds, and then vanished. From there, they all piled in to leave. Once inside, they claimed to hear something attempting to open the van door. It was grabbing for the door handle. One of the members grabbed his camera and pointed it back out the window. 
In a review of the footage, they could clearly make out the shape of a face in the window that appeared to be evil, and then disappear. This particular occasion, they received some of the most outstanding and solid evidence they had ever received from any investigation. They stated they went back on a few more occasions and received much similar results each time. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. So, first off, just shout out to Sightings, the show. Fucking classic ghost hunting show. So classic, dude. They're fucking phenomenal. I actually went back and watched uh, the first episode that they did on the Black Forest Haunting. As cringy as it is, the show, I would like to think, still holds up. Um, Dude, Sightings was, was surprisingly one of my first, really good. Yeah. It was one of my first TV loves. Like, so underrated, right up there with Unsolved Mysteries. Like, I remember watching that with my dad when I was a kid. So good. It, yeah, it was really good. And I mean, at first, especially that first episode they did on the Black Forest Haunting, um, was was really solid it was a really a, it was a crazy crazy event and they had sent out the psychic along with the crew i mean um you know it, it was they because what originally happened uh, that i didn't mention in the story is uh steve stephen lee he actually sent in photos and videos of what he had captured around the house with his security equipment and he, right. he ended up capturing almost 3,000 photos and some odd hundred hours of footage. Right. Um, and he sent had sent them just a sliver of it. Um, and uh, in an article I was reading stated that they actually have somebody that tries to debunk and look at the footage um, and see if it's actually legit or not. And they there was absolutely no way they could recreate it. And that was what instantly, I mean, they right away, they were instant let's go ahead and check it out because there's no way that they could be making this up all right um, so that initial footage that that was steve the initial footage that steve captured right with his um home surveillance equipment was yeah. that was that mostly like orbs and streaking lights or did he so, capture like full apparitions so at first it was mainly just orbs, streaks of light that would pass over the camera. Um, he eventually uh, had some footage of the mirror in the master bedroom uh, that had a couple shapes of faces in it. And I think that's probably what did him in. Uh, you know, seeing, seeing faces and not being able to explain it. And he was still obviously very... Um, you know, very adamant on the fact that that's not what it was. You know, they, it, he was not a believer. Um, and he obviously he, he's a man of, you know, he's a man of the road. Um, you know, so he, he's very much one that there had to be some form of explanation. There had to be some form of fact that would back this up. Um, but after, you know, consulting with his wife, his wife was very, I mean, his wife and children, they were just distraught. They were terrified. Um, and they were believers. You know, and they were believers, right? And they had already reached out to the police numerous occasions, 
you know, trying to trying to get them to come out because he thought that it was either somebody trying to get them to leave the property, you know, some some townsfolk that maybe just didn't want them there, or government. You know, and this is a pretty pretty big spot, you know, especially the 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 Rockies, I mean, are well known for especially Colorado for several you know, areas under mountains or in the mountains that are training facilities or government facilities, alien spacecraft, things like that. I mean, you know, this is big in Colorado. And so, you know, he he also thought maybe it was the government because, as I had mentioned, there were some uniformed figures that would patrol the perimeter of the area. Um, and he, he immediately thought that those were military. See, And so he I, thought maybe it was mind control or something like that. See, I tend to agree with, with his assessment. Like, when I, every time I hear about these situations, like these very, like, densely haunted areas, right? Supposedly haunted areas that are, like, right. crazy levels of activity. My first thought is conspiratorial. You know, I think I instantly start thinking, well, is there are there government facilities nearby? Is there a military base nearby? Mm -hmm. Is this like because I always think of like controlled, like a controlled situation where they would be like assessing behavior under stress or or something like that. That's yeah. I mean, so I understand where he was coming from. That makes a lot of sense to me. I get that way of thinking, but there was a lot more in the household that was happening than some type of government involvement. I mean, I'm all for conspiracies. I'm all for, you know, government mind control. That happens. We know that it happens, you know, but in this particular case, I mean, they were waking up to the sounds of, you know, footsteps on their roof, footsteps in their attic, chains clanking. Uh, the fact that they woke up to an entire orchestra of music. The government yeah. is not going to do that. I mean, regardless of whatever type of tools they try to use for mind control, why would why why would they try you know, why would they try to do some form of like orchestral music to what what effect is that gonna have? You know, I mean, other maybe than they were Well this shit's what is happening, right? Like yeah, right. it just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe they were testing, um, testing like, uh, like hostage situation. You know what I mean? Like, um, the music they would play super loud to see how it affects people, you know? Right. um, Okay. Sometimes in like, in like, um, interrogation situations, they'll like blast music on someone. It's like a form of torture, you know? I don't know. That's I, no, I mean, there that's is a, a lot very of reasonable and valid valid thought. I would like, to, you know, I, I would I would think. Um, I just I find that myself. Um, I find that extremely far fetched. It's right. just to me, it doesn't make sense. I, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna say that right now. I'm a firm believer, and the fact that all of this happened. I mean, I I've personally experienced things similar. Right. Not a fucking orchestra, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, things like that, which I think, you know, um, is very much, very much kind of like a, a firm indicator. There's a bit more at play than just government mind control and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you very well could be right. 
Right, and that that's my personal thought, but you know, it it very well could have been. You know, at this point we we don't know, and that's kind of kind of what we're discussing here. So Right. So let's get into some of the stuff that they experience specifically. Alright. So I had a few questions. The chemical smell in the house. You mentioned that they were frequently that they were frequently sick due to those smells. Were there that you know of any like long term illness in the family? There was not. Um, what? So they would they would smell the the scents in passing, and it almost it, it was very very just random, and it was very quick. But it was enough to make them sick to their stomachs. You know, it was right. it was a smell. I I tried to explain it as. You know, it was a very, uh, you know, it was a very toxic smell, a sharp, bitter smell on the inhale. That when they breathed it in, it almost fa- made them feel as as though you know they were getting sick. They, they, gotcha. you know, they would. It, I know there were several reports of, you know, is- issues with headaches, um, just uh, lethargic feelings, uh, feelings of sick to their stomach. Um, there was actually one of the cases where the police came out they discovered a rag in the house that was soaked in the scent they found it in the house i believe it was in the basement uh, but they found it in the house they ended up testing it there were no toxic chemicals or anything in it okay it was completely completely perfectly fine nothing that should have affected them or anything like that but it, that rag had a heavy scent of what they were what they had been experiencing what they had been smelling and the police smelled it too. The police smelled it too. They again, they took it in for you know investigation. They actually ran tests on it um, and determined that it was completely non-toxic, nothing that should be causing these types these types of feelings. Huh. Um, and which was it was a bit off-putting. Um, so it, that to me also screams that there is a little bit more that they were smelling than this rag. Right, um, you know that uh, that it just has the scent on it. So, so another thing that you said that um, that stood out to me was the mother at one point describes coming home and there's a fire, basically a fireworks display happening in their house. Right now, did they actually see like fireworks, or is that just like a hyperbolic description of the lights yeah, going was... off and on? That was just describing the way that the lights were flashing on and off at just such a quick rate. Um, okay. And it went, the way that she described it was, it went from the bedroom, went from the, the living room to the kitchen. And it was all just constant, back and forth, just really fast. And it just looked like, a, basically like a, a you know an intense light right. show. Right. Um, and she described it as, you know, something you see with fire, like a fireworks display on the 4th of July. Just all these random lights just going off at different rates and different speeds. Okay. That that makes more sense than like coming home and actually seeing like fireworks. Right, yeah. It wasn't house. it wasn't right. fireworks, but Yeah. <laughs> okay. So another big thing that stood out to me was Native American stuff. He said the the Hopi, the Hopi shaman Indian tribe that yes. came in that he um that he described a lot of activity and he talked about the the rainbow vortex and all that but we'll get into that later because later when you were talking about the 2011 group uh-huh they described seeing a headdress on like right. a, the shape of a An headdress Indian chief headdress right so is there like do you know of any like history 
of this area with the native with Native Americans. So it this was is a classic like burial ground situation. Right. So the way the there was the Hopi the Hopi Indian tribe was a very uh, heavily settled tribe on this land. Um, they they worshipped the land so much that they found that they determined to be a sacred sacred ground for the Hopi Indian tribe. Okay. Um, it, there was actually a point where um, the Hopi Indians that you know they basically what they say is the white man took the land from the Indians and drove them off or tried to kill them to take the land for logging rights. Right. Um, so they say that basically the land is sacred and they would defend it in life and in death. Uh, okay. And so basically it's believed that the cause of the open vortex or the portal is causing the black forest haunt. So, you know, they're, they're basically trying to, uh, you know, trying to keep up on their land. They're trying to, they're, they're, they're trying to defend it still to this day. Cause again, they state that they would do it in life and in death. Which that was actually, uh, they, they had, um, the Lee family had contacted, uh, someone in the Hopi Indian tribe. And I, at this point, I can't remember his name, but, um, he had, he had actually explained this, that, you know, the Hopi Indian tribe felt so strongly that their land was basically taken from them, that they would fight for it. Even after they were long, they were long gone. They would continue to fight for it. Okay. So... Now the question on my mind is: Does this vortex predate the the theft of the land, or is this like something that was generated by the like atrocity? You know what I mean? Yes. So, was the vortex the reason why the land was holy to the Hopis in the first place? So, from what I've read, about eight hundred years ago. Um, I, I believe, and don't quote me on this, but 800 years ago, um, the Hopi Indian tribe, you know, uh, firmly settled on the land and everything before, you know, quote unquote, the white man came and, and took the land and uh, right. killed off the tribe or tried to ward them off. Uh, but at that time, they they had believed this land to be sacred, uh, believed it to be something that uh, allowed them to connect to their elders, to their past, to their... So you know, the to vortex. their present, right? But it wasn't an actual vortex. They believe until their land was overtaken. Gotcha. Until okay. the, you know they were warded off and everything. Right. And that's what it essentially established this vortex. Okay. Because I know I've heard about these rainbow vortexes. I think there's one in Arizona and one in London. London as yeah. well. London, England. Exactly. Kind of cool that we get two of them. Uh, yeah. No, I thought that was a bit strange, too. Uh, and they're pretty yeah, close being, together. Right. And I've, I've tried to dive into it. And there are a lot of different vortexes. There's actually a significant amount in North Carolina. Uh, there's yeah. one believed to be a rainbow vortex, but it's not, not been confirmed. Um, you know, additionally, there were actually rainbow shamans. They were called "quote unquote" rainbow shamans uh, okay. that were able to use these vortexes, and specifically the ones in North Carolina, as a means to travel between worlds. Wow. And I think that's where where also kind of ties in with the rainbow vortex, 
being, you know, the Rainbow Vortex, for anybody that doesn't know, is essentially a portal to the other side. It is, um, you know, it's a passageway, basically, from our world into the spirit world. Right, an opening so, in the veil. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, and there's there's 20-some vortexes uh, currently, um, currently documented in North Carolina. 20-some wow. vortexes, first of all, which is nuts. Um, yeah. Not specifically Rambo Vortexes, but mm-hmm. Vortexes. Um, okay. And the, the Rainbow, the Rainbow Shaman, or there was a large group of Rainbow Shamans, and again with the Hopi Indian tribe uh, being kind of kind of dispersed everywhere, uh, Rainbow Shamans were a big big thing in North Carolina, and so you know with them using you know these vortexes as a, as a means to travel between worlds, you know I would personally like to think that is you know there there has to at least be something there, and it, it's still believed that there is. Rainbow Vortex in effect, but it's not been 100% established. Okay. But for them to be able to use that to travel or some passageway between worlds or some veil that's lifted, right. You know, it, it makes perfect sense. So when I was doing research for our episode on the Kushtaka and I touched on the Alaskan Triangle, I kind right. of peripherally read a little bit about what they call the Alaskan Vortex. Okay. And that's something that, like, that I'm... Especially now that I'm, like, learning this about Vortexes, I'm really excited to get to. Because that... That's really... I really love the the concept of... That there's this just thin veil between our world and another. And there are just these spots where you can just kind of... If you know what you're doing, you can just kind of slip through... Right to the other side, that's so gnarly. Exactly, which I think I think is super cool. Um, you know, because it, it just further it further solidifies that you know that fact that there is an other side, depending regardless of what it is, right. you know, there is an other side that you know. Again, you know, we don't know specifically what it is. We don't know what it holds. We don't know you know, how it specifically ties in, but there is. And I, I believe in, you know, dimensions and uh, multiple, multiple, or multi-dimensions. Um, sure. And I think that, you know, with these vortexes, especially, you know, not not the rainbow vortexes being specific bales, but these other vortexes basically being a means between traveling different dimensions, you know, we could also, we could, you know, you could possibly think of this veil that lifts on to the spirit world as another dimension. Yeah. You know, it, it could, it could definitely be another, you know, the another dimension or another, essentially another world. Um, and that's just where, you know, the land of the dead or spirits or whatever, you know, comes from that area. Right. Um, you know, it could be just like traveling to another, another world. So, uh, I mean, now we're kind of tiptoeing into like into what do we really think ghosts are territory which is a really big conversation right um i was curious did um did they still live there i know the house is up for sale but did they did they stay did they stay um i actually did some research and I don't know the year to be exact at this point, but their son, one of their sons, uh, passed away a few years ago. 
um, at the age of t- 20 something. I think he's like 25 or 26. Okay. Um, I don't know the cause or anything like that, um, but I know basically it was roughly around that time that the family moved out. Um, okay. And then they listed the house up for sale in 2010 or 2011. And as far as I know, and I've, I've dived into it as much as possible, I've looked at realtor sites because basically at that time, they they had it listed on you know, major realtor sites, but with the caveat that basically the person that's interested had to fill out a very in-depth application. They had to uh, supply a, a gracious amount of earnest money. Right. Uh, in order to even be considered to look at the house, that was even before they would show it. Right, you know, so they they had to know that the people that were interested were very interested, and not just there as another. We're just going to check out a ghost house, right? Yeah. Um, but yes, as I know of, at least currently, and I again, I've looked a little bit in depth. I know that there has been um, some foreclosures on the property, uh, at least six foreclosures that I know of. Um, But it looks like they have at least paid that off, Um, you know, due to back to taxes and things like that. Uh, But as far as I know, it is still currently for sale. Okay. Question number one on the application, do you like ghosts? Question number two, what do you know about vortexes? I I mean, (laughs) it's it's a pretty solid application. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that would probably be pretty vital, you know, because somebody that's going to be like, yeah, I like ghosts. I know this vortex and that vortex. They'd be like, all right, you are you are a prime candidate. Let's (laughs) let's get you in. So so the the 2011 group, again, going back to them, they had a member of their team who what sort of experienced almost like a possession for a brief moment. Something about like them seeing something go into her or something and she got very sick and had to be taken away from the property before so she that felt was better. actually uh that was actually the first sightings case in 1991 okay um so that was when sightings sent out they sent out uh, with psychic echo boating uh they had went through the house one of the crew members uh, she she ended up just sitting down in a corner and just started sobbing uncontrollably uh, she couldn't move. She couldn't walk. She she could not move a single muscle in her body. Um, and they tried to ask her, you know, what is wrong? Like, what what can we do to help? And she just she had no response. She just sobbed uncontrollably. They ended up picking her up and taking her out of the house, where she started to be able to answer questions, but she okay. still could not move a single muscle. She could not move. You know, she could not do anything until wow. they actually took her off the property. After they took her off the property, you know, they asked, what, what is going on? You know, why, you know, why did this happen? Like, you know, what are you feeling? And she explained that she felt as though she was basically being possessed. Like something yeah. was essentially trying to control her body or trying to get inside of her body. And this was an actual crew member of the yeah. sightings crew, their film like crew. Like someone just there to like hold the boom mic or something. Exactly. Like, so yeah. it was just... Somebody there that that sighting sent along to, you know, whether it was video, whether it was audio or anything. Right. And she just happened to be unlucky. That's you know, wild. it seemed it seemed that a lot of uh you know, that sightings coming in actually sparked a lot of extra you know, a lot of extra phenomenon because the family actually claimed that 
they were, you know, they had never felt like it was anything malevolent, anything that would do any harm to them. It was just a lot of these experiences they'd have, a lot of these shadow figures that they would see. But after that particular event, even Beth, the, you know, the woman of the house, the matriarch of the house, uh, started to feel, you know, she, there was a point, a point where she felt like she was being held down. Shit got um, and this was short after sightings came to visit them. Yeah. What's crazy is after that first episode of sightings, they decided they, you know, that was a, a brief segment. They decided they want to do an entire series. They actually came out on three different occasions. Okay. To the house and did segments and seri- a whole series on the Black Forest property. Um, so, I mean, they, you know, there was enough going on that they were able to really capture a lot. I mean, especially the first psychic they brought out, Echo Bodine, as a world-renowned psychic. Yeah, um, classic, you know, classic. Ex- I've exactly. listened to, I've listened to Echo Bodine talk on um, Coast to Coast so many times. Okay, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, and after that, they even sent out Peter James, which is another world-renowned yep. psychic you know yep, so i too. mean these two major psychics that they brought out that were able to identify specifically these all these entities in the house and this particular i mean there were hot spots uh they said you know the master bedroom was the primary one master bedroom that had the mirror right, the mirror is a hundred uh a hundred year old mirror that they had in their bedroom and the yeah. closet. So the mirror was right here. Well, the mirror was basically against the wall. The closet was off, let's say, to the right. You know, that close. So the hot spot coming from the closet basically being this portal, this, this rainbow vortex. Right. Uh, and then the mirror being uh, basically where they could look back. And that's where they got a lot of pictures, uh, which I'd be happy to upload some pictures just so people can see them as well. Yeah, uh, we'll but definitely do that. Of faces actually in the mirror, and I mean it's, it's creepy though. Like, cause you can actually see them, and I mean it looks like they're looking back, they're watching everything that is going on from this other side. You know what the the mirror reminded me of instantly, and even more so now that you've um, talked about it, like being there with the closet and all that. It reminds me right. of a like very early episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Okay. There's one where, yeah, it's, I was just watching it with my son the other day and it's like, a, there's a mirror on a closet door and it's like a portal that ghosts come through. Like that's the mirror that's exactly itself it, is the portal. Right, yeah. yeah, that's probably yeah. what it's loosely based on, right? It kind of makes like, me also think of uh, the movie Oculus. Yeah, um, you know, with with that particular mirror that you know causes all this shit around the house, right? Same um, with you know, the, that was, the that was kind of one of my first thoughts. The uh, Netflix series Lock and Key. They a big part of that is like the mirror in the mother's bedroom is a portal, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah, that's so pretty cool. It's it's very, I mean, you know, which kind of makes me really. Does not want to look into a mirror now, but uh, <laughs> right. you, you never know. To be honest, uh, you know, especially with having at least three rainbow vortexes that we currently have, at least quote unquote documented. Right. You know, the one in Black Forest, Colorado, 
the one in Arizona, which I can't remember specifically in Arizona where it's mm-hmm. at, but then also the one that's in London, England. There's at yeah. least three. And then there's at least 20, 20 of the Vortexes. And they're yeah. just standard Vortexes, not specific Rambo Vortexes or anything like that, just in North Carolina. I mean, right. to think about that and how many types of Vortexes or at least you know some form of portals or anything like that that are throughout the rest of the United States, throughout the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's an extremely high number. Yeah, um, it's a crazy thought, you know. And with with it also thought that the rainbow shamans of the Hopi Indian tribe being able to use these these vortexes, not rainbow vortexes, but just a standard vortex as a means to travel between worlds, between dimensions, and things like that. I mean, you know, it just it makes you wonder a bit. Yeah. What I was originally going to ask about the. The uh, crew member who was feeling like she was possessed. Did the family, did any family members ever report anything like that? Just Beth. Uh, So the the matriarch of the house, the woman of the house. uh, Like I said, she felt on a couple occasions after sightings came out. This was specifically after sightings, so nothing before. Again, they stated before they ever came out, they felt like it was just a presence they saw things, things happened, nothing against them. But after sightings, after they left, there was a couple occasions where she felt like she was being held down or choked. That's, man. And so it's, obviously that sparked quite a bit, and they, they didn't like that, you know, that yeah. whole thing, but... That's a shift, for sure. <laughs> quite, quite a bit, yeah. So you... You mentioned that police investigated. Did they ever come up with anything conclusive? Did they ever make a decision on what was happening? So, funny, um, the police... So, Stephen Lee, or Steve Lee of the house, he actually contacted the police local, uh, El Paso County Police, and the state police on numerous occasions. Uh, They actually sent out somebody 45 different times... 45 different occasions, mind you, that they actually sent somebody out, 45, that they sent somebody out to check it out because he was, you know, he was very, very adamant in the fact that somebody was there, somebody was trying to break into his house, somebody was, you know, fucking around with him, trying to push them away, that the military was involved, you know, all this other stuff that they got to the point after 45 incidents, they stopped answering their calls. Yeah. So they literally stopped, you know, stopped responding, stopped doing anything, which could be bad. You know, if something yeah. actually was major was happening, they got to the point where they stopped. They stopped altogether because they they at that point they were the laughing stock of the town. You know, right. to them, they were just it was just, you know, you know, basically crying wolf the whole time. And yeah. they never found any anything definitive. The only thing they ever found was that rag soaked in that that scent that they smelled. Right. This is the only thing that they ever found. And that so, even produced you know very minor results and was very you know something was non-toxic and you know just yeah. very uh very anticlimactic climactic at that point. <clears throat> yeah, so 45 times some crazy shit happens. The guy calls the police. They come out. There's nothing to see. Exactly. Yeah, I understand that why they would stop so, answering his his calls. I I mean, yeah, I get it, but at the same time, I'm just like, come on, bud. 
you've got to know this is something more than you know something more than just a a random you know false cry for help like you know and that's that's what also kind of strikes me as just unpleasant Um, I mean to you who's like a true believer it's probably like frustrating right like you have to accept that this is a thing that's really going on and that's you know and I, I, I often and I was actually thinking about this earlier is I wonder how many cases the police have ever dealt with that is supernatural, paranormal, or anything like that that's either disregarded or that's kept secret. Um, you know, that uh, it just I'm curious, uh, you know, if, if that's a thing because there has it has to be. I'm going to go know, out on a no limb and way. say all of them. Uh, yeah, I, I would <laughs> not be surprised. I mean, you know, because there's no way that they can they can you know reach out and respond to these types of events and nothing ever come of it there's got to be something that somebody's like wow that was fucked up like you know that that was a thing and somebody's like well i didn't see it so that doesn't mean a thing you know or something's kept hush hush maybe they experienced it and they're like well there's no way that we can we can let this out into the open because it's gonna strike this and this and this and this right so like that's something i was i was thinking about earlier just the fact that there's so many types of occurrences like this and so many different just major I mean there's major hauntings uh, you know it, it, lots of major hauntings that are unexplained that are massive in the media but yet you know when when the police are involved or law enforcement of any kind is involved it's more so like we'll sweep it under the table or just disregard it right they just mostly they just write it off as like oh these crazy people like I'm actually going to be covering a case soon in Spain where paranormal type activity was witnessed by police and included in their police report so that's awesome yeah Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped for that because yeah it just it bothers me to just and I, I get back on that that talk of being so close-minded and so set in your ways and not thinking of anything else. I mean, open your fucking eyes. Like, you know, yeah. there's, there's shit that goes on that is unexplained. There's shit that goes on that's... I mean, the only thing... The only way to explain it is it's supernatural. It's paranormal. Right. It's, you know, something that you just... You have to be open to it to even grasp it but at the same time there's there's a logical explanation maybe not something that we can just say this is exactly why there's no scientific explanation but there's a logical explanation right at least some some things that can't be can't be explained by our current technological capabilities exactly yeah 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 there's a lot of that i don't it's I think a lot of it, I think a lot of that is, comes down to peer pressure, right? Because our society writes off these things as like flagrant or just, you know, wild fantasy, right? Of course. Even it's though be... such, I mean, I think something like 60% of Americans believe in angels. Yeah. It's like 60%. That... So and like, it... It, it's, just, it's strange to me. More often, I find people who believe in ghosts than people mm-hmm. who don't. And I, I know that's not just here. 
But it's odd to me that there are so many people who claim to believe in things like this. And somehow we've managed to simultaneously create a society that brushes it all off as nonsense. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, and how that, do so many that, people believe, but you, mm-hmm. but still you have police officers or law enforcement officials who are, and even higher politicians and military leaders and all these people who are terrified of not being taken seriously. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, thankfully, yeah, that's, that's kind of eased up in the in the world of like um, UFOs and things like that. And those luckily, are much more accepted now. That now. Things have been, you know, kind of more open. But yeah, it's to me that's that's where my frustration really lies. Yeah. Um, you know, because again, with it being so open, with you know, with it being such a major, I mean. You know, you think back 30, 40 years, I mean, even 20 years, um, you know, the talk of ghosts and things weren't, and any, most things paranormal, weren't as uh, as open and appreciated as they are now. Um, you know, and now to have so many people that, that do believe or, you know, that, um, you know, especially now in the mainstream media, it's become a bigger thing. Ghosts, um, you know, ex- exorcism ca- or possession cases, you know, things, sure. it, lots of things like that that are just very, yeah, this is what it is, and you know, and that's a lot of people do believe, a lot of people do do believe in it, but yet you have, it's almost like a, you know, it's almost like going going back or being hypocritical in a sense, um, yeah, you know, being that, yeah, this is a thing that I I believe in, but yet. I'm going to dismiss this and the, you know, there, everything has to have a reason. And that's yeah. what, that's what kind of pisses me off because, you know, not everything has, is going to have a solidified reason, you know, down to the fucking T that's going to explain everything. Yeah. Um, and we know this, you know, and that's, it's just one of those things that it's very bothersome, uh, which actually makes me think of, uh, I had mentioned that the state senator, uh, which is Charles Duke, came out to the property. Um, he actually ended up asking, after he came out and experienced everything he did, he actually took a picture of what appeared to be a floating dog. That Steve of the house thought that, you know, he actually, because um, they ended up catching a couple pictures of this floating floating dog, that yeah. he, he actually thought that was maybe his old dog. Um, and the state senator, Charles Duke, he actually got a picture clear as day of this floating dog figure that he actually asked the FBI to come out and investigate. Uh, what was really funny, though, is that they told him that they wouldn't come out unless there was any... Uh, they wouldn't come out to the property, basically, unless there was any evidence of federal law that had been violated. But, okay. funny enough, one of the FBI members that he reached out to said... This sounds a lot, a lot like Poltergeist to me. Look at that. Yeah. And then nice. they did nothing. But he acknowledged. He acknowledged and said it sounded like Poltergeist activity. Okay. Boom. That right there. That's at least some acknowledgement. That's that's somebody that fucking knows their stuff. Like you know, they're yeah. they're not as close-minded. They're not as hypocritical. They're you know. He was like, yeah, look into this. I guarantee. You know, I think that's what it is. I guarantee you that. Like. Also, Charles Duke was like a 
super respected, like a super respected conservative firebrand. I mean, he was like, he was a, a senatorial. Yeah, he was a badass in the Senate. Yeah. Like, I've watched clips of him on the Senate floor, and he was a monster. Like, yeah, he was well respected. I mean, yeah. the guy, the guy knew his shit, um, and the fact that he also came out and was like yeah this is this is really going on because he was a skeptic yeah he was ex- he was a skeptic he he basically came out there to just debunk it right. gonna be like yeah this is not happening somebody of this high class somebody like well respected to come out and be like yeah this is not happening but no he left convinced. believing at that point exactly he was convinced yeah. you know and so to have that in such a high like a high priority person um you know that that has to say a lot yeah i would say so i you know what we were talking about before um i think the subject of ghosts are unique in this way that i think that our generation and early and you know more recent generations of course, are more yeah. accepting of things like UFOs and cryptids even, like biological phenomenon. But I think our parents and previous generations were actually more accepting of the idea of ghosts and possession. And I think it has to do with the decline in religion. Over you Because know, a lot of people associate I agree you know, believing yeah. in ghosts with with believing in an afterlife or, you know, our generation is so, there are so many like adamantly atheist members of our, you know, very like just material science is all there is. So I think they're, especially over the last like 10 years or so, it's basically become like the, the most common response to do you, do you believe in aliens is like, well, the universe is massive. Odds are there's something out there, right? right. Like it's you become have like to be okay ignorant to think that we're right. we're the only type of life form, or you know, like the only planet with life form, rather. So, which in itself is a position that's like decidedly anti-religion. You know what I mean? Okay. Like you'd have to be ignorant to assume that we're the center of of everything. I you know agree. What I, mean? I I hundred percent agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that gets us, uh, gets on a whole other tangent, but yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree. I mean, we're at that we're at that point where, um, you know, our generation and future generations are a lot more responsive and a lot more, I guess, welcoming maybe in the fact that there are uh, there's more out there. There's more out right. there than we can comprehend. There's more out there than. You know the the what we've always thought and all these things and you know we're we're a lot more apt to believe in these things to have an open mind, whereas yeah. earlier generations you know they they didn't. Um, and I you know bringing up bringing up our parents' generation being you know firm believers in ghosts, I think you know you're entirely right. Um, you know especially I mean it seems at least everything that I've came across. You know, a lot of a lot of activity, a lot of ghost activity, has happened in our parents' generation. Yeah, you know, especially absolutely. that we look at now, and now that's in the mainstream media, 
I mean, you know, because then we get into like Ed and Lorraine War and things like sure. that. You know, actual like major, major hunters of the paranormal, whether it be ghosts, whether it be anything. Yeah. But you know, it, roughly, roughly the seventies being such a you know high point, I think, in in that time, in that belief, I think that really opened up and that allowed our generation to see beyond that and you know be able to be able to comprehend or grasp at least a higher way of thinking yeah. um you know but again like you said you know there are going to be people that are very anti anti everything or there has to be a, some scientific fact for everything as well um you know which that is the thing you know people people are that way as well and again it just kind of comes down to that really narrow-minded uh, narrow-mindedness but you know also i think you can believe in ghosts uh aliens cryptids anything like that but also not have a belief in quote unquote a an afterlife or uh you know any type of religion i think that that is possible you know and i think i think we have you know there's different routes and avenues that you can go that you know you literally either are a a spirit you're left to walk the earth and be you know in this like kind of after party basically or you know or you just rot like you know there that's definitely i i believe in one of the two personally i mean Um, there are certainly there are certainly some alternate theories that would allow one to accept the you know phenomenon of ghosts or hauntings or possession even without accepting, you know, established religious doctrine. Right. Right. I agree. There, I, there are definitely some other, some other explanations. You know, but and then getting into possession cases, though, I mean, you know, like that also is, is a bit. I, I, don't, I don't know. I go back and forth because. You know, you can explain, you know, you can, you can agree up and down all day. Yeah, ghosts are a thing. You know, this is, this is a thing. But not believe in any type of religion or anything like that. But then you look into, like, possession cases. I feel like you have to have some sense of an open mind. At least that there's something beyond what we can grasp. But then, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's where we get into that just, it's a very weird line at that point. Yeah. I agree. You know, and that's where I kind of sit is that, that weird line that like, I would love, you know, I, I would love to think that possession and everything is a hundred percent a thing. And I find it fucking fascinating. Yeah. But at the same time, like what if there's nothing there that can do this or what are, what if it's something entirely different? Yeah. You know? Um, so there's, a, there's a lot of, it's very open ended in that, in that regard, I guess. Is what I'm and possession, possession specifically is very tied into religion, right? right because there's right, a exactly. long That's history, especially with the Catholic Church and all that. There's, it's like deeply tied to religion. But you know, there are there are lots of explanations of possession cases that make sense to me that have nothing to do with the supernatural, like, so like psychological breaks psychological like, is gonna be always what yes. what you go to right you know yeah. it's it could be early cases of split personalities multiple personalities um yeah. you know a, a lot of things like that and yeah i mean i agree that's you know that's something that you can kind of use to 
come off as, as some type of explanation, but like, you know, like people like me that, you know, believe in one thing, but also contradict myself yep. not believing in other things. But I also, I think possession is entirely real. And so that's <laughs> like, what is it though? I don't know. Right. Um, and that's, like I said, that's where I kind of contradict myself because, you know, I think it's possible, but at the same time, like, yeah, it could be justified as psychological, 100%. Yeah. And that's okay. You can hold two truths at the same time, right? Maybe. Can you though? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, maybe something's happening that can't be explained, right? That's That's yeah. okay to think. And then at the same time, there's some things that tempt you, right? Some theories that are that are tempting oh, to believe. Oh, of course, yeah. I agree. Like, yep. yeah. That's, I mean, that's where I am pretty much on everything. Like, as someone who's never, and I say this with a very heavy heart, never had a supernatural experience in my entire life. That's so crazy to me. I never ever, as someone who has never experienced that, I... I sit on the fence for everything. I want so badly for th- for these things to be true and real, and because I think they're right. so fucking cool. I love them just, even just as thought experiments. I yeah. I love all of it, and I want it to be real. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm balancing that other that other side of me that says, you know, that sad asshole that's like, oh. Nothing fantastic is real. Maybe not. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, and <laughs> I, I agree. That's that's where I'm at. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I know that I I believe one way, and I've seen enough shit growing up, and I've had enough experiences that have always made me go back to like, yeah, I know. I'm if I think anything otherwise, I'm an asshole. Because I've literally, I've lived through lots of things that are extreme, that are completely unexplained. Um, you know, and some stories that we'll get into eventually, but, you know, things that I've experienced in houses that I've lived in, things that I feel that have fallen me in my entire life, things that yeah. I still experience to this day. You know, you, there's, a, there's a lot. Of, you have actually of, had paranormal experiences in my home. Exactly. Yeah. In my home. I've had See, nothing. And that's, and that's where I, I'm, I'm still on on that boat that I really think that I've had something that has followed me forever. Um, yeah. One of my uncles, he's the exact same way. Literally since child to this day still has experiences. And I am the same way. You know, and mine started as I was a two-year-old kid. Um, you know, from what, I, from what I found out and stories that I've been told and everything and then growing up and living this you know and it, it makes it impossible to ever think otherwise right you know and so there's been times where i'm just like man you know I, I get i get you know disgruntled or just um you know just kind of discouraged in the fact that like yeah like you know i i want to do this i want to do that but i want to know the aliens are real that's the only thing i really want out of life Right. Uh, but yeah, I've not had any experiences. Like I'm I'm waiting to be abducted, but you know, it's it's never <laughs> happened. But aliens or uh ghosts, you know, that shit happens all day. So, yeah. you know, like You need to start sleeping in a more seductive pose. <laughs> <laughs> 
ass out everything, yes. Exactly, maybe they'll come uh-huh. for you. Maybe a bit of white noise or something, I don't know. I don't, I don't know I'm, what attracts aliens. I'm so, I'm so jealous of your certainty. Like, I wish I could just know. See, you know what I mean? That's, that's the thing is like and I've, I've in over the years I've tr- I've went back and forth like and I've gotten to the point where like you know I've had droughts of experiences that I've also tried to chalk up to like maybe this is just my head maybe right. I'm I'm in I'm embellishing maybe I'm you know this is all just me being a paranoid anxious person like maybe it's all in my head but at the same time I relive these or I go back and I rethink of these experiences. There's absolutely no way. You know, and and then I'm just like, okay, well I've just contradicted myself. You know, I'm trying to think otherwise. I'm trying to figure out, you know, because it also becomes I think it comes down to me growing up and getting older. Just yeah. trying to have a reason for things, trying to figure out like my whole life's purpose and all this yeah. other stuff that I believed in my whole life like Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. See, and I I get that just like as you get older, just trying to rationalize everything, trying to understand the way everything fits together. Exactly. Like That's what it all comes down to. But as far as like ET experiences, you've got nothing. You've never... Aside um, from a other couple than sightings, UFOs. right? Right. Yes, uh, I've okay. seen some UFOs. Uh, we both yeah. saw some, you know, saw in 2012, uh, which we'll we'll talk about later yeah, yeah. on. But um, you, you know, I've had that. It, I've yeah. I've had some experience out in Colorado, um, you know, specifically uh, with UFOs and things like that. But um, nothing that's ever, you know, I've I've never seen anything. I actually, and again, maybe a story I need to say for another occasion. Yeah, yeah. But I had a I had a military friend that told me some things, um, yeah. you know, and so like that I'm I'm a hundred percent a believer. I will always be a believer of aliens. A hundred percent. There's absolutely no way. Try and talk me out of it. No, there's <laughs> no way that you can. Right. But at the same time, that's also one of those things. I've never I've never experienced it firsthand, outside right. of seeing UFOs. You're so, just convinced. I'm I'm convinced. I'm I'm 100 okay. percent convinced. So why not leave that same mentality or that same mindset and these experiences that I've actually experienced when it comes to paranormal things, ghost right. things, you know, hauntings and things like that, and trying to question it and trying to rationalize it. Why not leave it that same mindset and just that I know this is what I've seen. This is this is how I've been. These are the situations I've been in. Like you know, I know that it's there. And yeah, there's always going to be somebody else that's going to try and try and counter it or try to again rationalize it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I know I know what I've seen and everything, and so yeah, that's that's kind of what I've tried to I've tried to remind myself that you know it, it it's healthy to be to question. It's very healthy to question. Yeah. It's very healthy to you know be a skeptic as well. Because, you know, these are unexplained things that it's not just a, oh, this is the way it is. Cool. Yeah. Everybody knows. You know, it'd be great to have an explanation. Oh, it'd be fantastic. I agree. Yeah. Um, And that's where skeptics, you know, that's where skeptics, that's where, that's the purpose that skeptics serve. Exactly. Exactly. That is the sole purpose. Try to work toward that explanation, which I'm all for. And see... 
I was like, you know, I was raised by two parents who are super sensitive to right. ghosts and things like they both have crazy stories of, you know, ghost activity, poltergeist activity, cryptid mm-hmm. sightings, UFO encounters, like crazy awesome. stories. <laughs> and like, I'm so jealous. I got yeah. nothing. Nothing. See, and growing up together, too, like, I don't know how you've not at least encountered at least some of the things that I have. Even being in the houses that I've grown up and everything that I've experienced all these things in. Right. Literally every house I've ever lived in, I've had some form of experience or another. Maybe I'm just not sensitive to it. I don't know. Maybe maybe I want it too much. I want it too bad. Maybe it is. Yeah. Or maybe it's that, that slight slight disbelief in the back of your head that because you haven't had these experiences, it doesn't make you as susceptible to them, right? Or maybe I need to sleep in a less seductive position. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I'm trying too hard. Walk around my my upstairs hall late at night. That's all you need to do. Alright, we'll see. But yeah, getting back to the story, I mean, you know, with Stephen Bethley, uh, this house that you know that they had bought, um, just kind of retouching. Uh, they had actually lived in the Colorado area for a couple years before that. They rented this house for a year right. before they purchased it. Nothing ever happened in that first year. It wasn't until after they purchased it that they started to experience these things. Um, and it was later found out that the guy that owned the house sold it so cheap because he was trying to get out of it. It wasn't that it was it was like some like, you know, he was like ha ha ha, they they can deal with it now. It was more so that he he felt like he was going to be ridiculed for what he felt that he experienced in the house. Right. And so, you know, trying to get out of it, he sold it very cheap. Um, you know, and over the years, the Lees, I mean, they added on to the house, they added multiple, they added a, a whole nother guest house. Uh, which is nuts. I mean, you look at the property now, and I think it's worth about nine hundred thousand. Wow. Um, you know, and it's it's right out right outside of Colorado Springs, which Colorado Springs is one of the kind of the cheaper areas in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and it's still a nine hundred thousand dollar house, but they've added so much to it, and yeah, you know, and they continued living in it for ten more years after they experienced all this stuff. Well, they didn't even put it up for sale until 2011, right? So that's 20 years. 20 years they lived in it. Right, okay, yeah. So even, I guess even more. I know that I had read that they had moved out earlier than that. Maybe maybe my date is wrong. But yeah, even 20, how? You know, especially if it was all this going on. Steve Lee is a badass. (laughs) (laughs) I think so, too. I think it's his skepticism and his, you know, this is not a thing. That really Dude. helped out, but classic you know, horror I, movie dad. Uh, exactly, yeah. It, uh, you know, yeah. it's very Amityville esque, if you ask me. I was gonna ask about the previous occupant. Like, did he ever go on record to describe anything, or no? They're just kind of allusions to what his experience. Yeah, was. so it was actually found out later on that um, he was he was very you know he was very apprehensive and giving details or accounts of what had happened because he was afraid again of being ridiculed by the town right. the um, way the Lees you know, were for believing these things, right? Which is exactly what the Lee family went through. 
Right, exactly. And then yeah. they they dealt with it. Having the cops out there 45 different times, state and local police, county police rather. Um, you know, even the state senate. I mean, all these people that came out, but they also the other people, not the police, that disregarded everything because mm-hmm. they, who knows. Um, and then we get back on that previous conversation, but you know, even the state senator and him reaching out to the FBI saying, "Hey, there's something going on. You guys need to check this out." Yeah. And then also getting that feedback from one of the people that he spoke to from the FBI saying, "It's poltergeist." You know, I mean, it just all of it, it it's it's crazy. Uh, obviously, the previous owner, you know, with everything that he dealt with and trying not to be ridiculed or trying not to be the laughing stock or whatever else. I mean, I get it. I definitely get it. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, obviously when Stephen, Stephen Beth Lee were there, you know, they had enough go on and they went the right direction. Definitely getting sightings involved. I mean, to this day, it's still a very well-known, talked about area. Yeah. And so it's right outside of Colorado Springs. Which is one of my favorite areas in Colorado, anyways. Like, yeah. Um, but I, I didn't even know about the Black Forest area. It's you know, only like been five there acres, many times. right? Uh, it was five point six, if I remember exactly. Five point yeah. six acres. That's probably why one of the reasons it's so expensive. I mean, I don't know how big the house is. It's, I think you said it was big. originally like a three bedroom house, wasn't it? Uh, it's when five you... bedrooms. Oh, okay. Yeah, a five, uh, bedroom five house bedrooms. On five acres what three baths um yeah on five almost six acres of land and and they also added more to it you know adding a guest house they had expanded onto the house um added multiple buildings around the property that you know obviously shot the property value up a lot yeah but just being right there and and the you know the and basically the entrance or the outer edge of the black forest as well Uh, And as I mentioned, you know, at the start, the Black Forest was one of the major suppliers of lumber back in the early, what was it, the early 1900s um, for the, it was the Kansas Pacific, the Denver and Rio Grande and the New Orleans Railroads. So they were the primary source of lumber, you know, in that area as well. So. You know, think of Black Forest being this this very dense, vast forest, and even still to this day, is massive. That's a lot of haunted wood. Uh, apparently, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. But it, doing doing my research and everything, I've, I've looked into the forest itself. It's it's huge. Um, there's actually a uh, what a state or a national forest that's attached to it as well. Um, yeah. So it, it's a very well known, very well known area, and the Stephen Beth Lee case was one of the most documented haunts that's ever ever existed because yeah. they got so much involved. You know, yeah. they had a TV show that was out there on multiple occasions, and state senators that are out there, forty five, you know, re- or forty five accounts of police being out there. Um, you know, it's one of the most documented haunting cases that's ever, ever been a thing. All right, that concludes episode four, The Black Forest Haunting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. 
We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thank you, as always, to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram um, for his song, Dying Star. That's from the EP Interstellar. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown.